Welcome to the podcast for Epworth United Methodist Church in Berkeley, California. Our podcast blends a taste of the music that we experience here in worship on Sunday mornings, along with the scripture reading and a message. We would love for you to take a next step in growing in faith in this community. If you are here in Berkeley, Epworth's worship is at 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings at 1953 Hopkins on the corner of Napa and Hopkins. Or if you connect with our podcast from further away, we would invite you to visit our website, epworthberkeley.org. We'd invite you to keep seeking to grow in faith and to stop by the next time you're in Berkeley. Today's scripture reading comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 1 through 11. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were enticed and led astray to idols that could not speak. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking by the Spirit of God ever says, let Jesus be cursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of services, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who activates all of them in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. To one is given through the Spirit to utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another faith by the same Spirit. To another gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another the working of miracles. To another prophecy. And to another the discernment of spirits. To another various kinds of tongues. To another the interpretation of tongues. All these are activated by one and the same Spirit, who allots to each one individually, just as the Spirit chooses. Good morning. I'm uh, reading this morning an excerpt from the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s speech on April 3rd, 1968, on the eve of his assassination. Well, I don't know what will happen now. We've got some difficult days ahead. But it doesn't matter with me now, because I've been to the mountaintop, and I don't mind. Like anybody, I would like to live a long life. Longevity has its place. But I'm not concerned about that now. I just want to do God's will. And he's allowed me to go up to the mountaintop, and I've looked over, and I've seen the promised land. I may not get there with you, but I want you to know tonight that we, as a people, will get to the promised land, and I'm happy tonight. I'm not worried about anything. I'm not fearing any man. My eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. I went up to the Because you asked me to Up over the clouds To where the sky is blue I could see all 
around me everywhere I can see all around me everywhere sometimes I feel like I've never been nothing but tired and I'll be walking till the day I expire sometimes I lay down no more can I do but then I go on again because you asked me to some days I look down afraid I will fall and though the sun shines I see nothing at all and then I hear your sweet voice oh, oh, come and then go come and then go telling me softly you love me so the peaceful valley just over the mountain the peaceful valley today about celebrating gifts and graces. And it's actually the celebration of the Martin Luther King Jr., the radical king, and Ella Baker, the radical organizer. And actually, there's a picture on the front, and you see them both. They're both of the, of the program. They're both passionate, incredible organizers. He's the front man, if you will, for the civil rights movement, and she was the person one of the many, many people, especially women, who, were, who worked behind the scenes, on the scenes, but mostly because of a male-centric kind of culture who worked behind the scenes to do the work that was necessary to move civil rights forward. 
So I want to honor King and his revolutionary work. Focus on the definition of spiritual gifts, graces and gifts. I chose that. And then once I chose it, I was like, why did I choose this? How am I going to define all this? But I'll, I will struggle with that. Please struggle with me. I want to honor Ella Baker, one of the co-founders and leaders of the civil rights movement. And if you hear these words, or the song, we who believe in freedom cannot rest. Oh, we who believe in freedom cannot rest until it comes. Yes, we who believe in freedom cannot rest. Oh, we who believe in freedom cannot rest until it comes. Now, I knew it as a song, but after doing all this research, I know that, in fact, this was her message. This was her voice. There were so many things that she said, and Bernice Reagan Johnson, who's a member of Sweet Honey and the Rock, trained under her as part of the civil rights movement. So the song is actually her story, and I have to go back and visit it. So I want to talk and honor her. And finally, I want to ask you to think about how we want to use our gifts as we move into this new year to bring it home. So now let us honor the revolutionary Dr. Martin Luther King, a man of knowledge and wisdom, a doer of great deeds, a change maker. So here are the words of Jonathan Rosenblum in his article, Slain Twice, Martin Luther King Jr., the Revolutionary. He says he was slain twice because he was murdered, he was assassinated. But then we've taken his message and dulled it down and made him, uh, Cornell West calls it the sanctification of Martin Luther King. He's this good and wonderful and marvelous and miraculous person, but he was so many things, a person, a hero, you know, a saint, but someone who's also a man. And you know, who had challenges that he faced. So here are Rosenblum's words. No, we will not talk about the feel-good king of I Have a Dream fame standing at the Lincoln Memorial. Rather, the king who called out the hypocritical clergy for claiming to support the movement while criticizing the impatience of civil rights activists. The king who defiantly called America a sick nation. The king who was unafraid to name the racism of the North as well as that of the South. The king who spoke about the intertwined triplets of evil, racism, economic oppression, and militarism. And even more so, the dangerous king, the deeply unpopular king, the radical king, who at the end of his life recognized that we needed revolution not mere reform. 11 months before he was shot down, he said, we have moved from the era of civil rights to the era of human rights, an era where we are called upon to raise certain basic questions about the whole society. We have been in a reform movement, but after Selma and the voting right bills, we have moved into a new era, which must be the era of revolution. We must recognize that we can't solve our problems now until there is a radical redistribution of economic and political power. This means a revolution of values and other things. We must see now that the evils of racism, economic exploitation, 
and militarism are all tied together, and we can't get rid of one without getting rid of the others. The whole structure of American life must change. The words of King the Revolutionary were true 50 years ago, and they're even more compelling today. You know, we go around in circles and cycles, and if we look at our society today, we look at that we're in the same place in many ways, and that we have to fight these evils together. So the legacy we must uphold and preserve through our words, and even more importantly, through our actions and our gifts. So I'm gonna to move to gifts now. Paul's scripture, and actually I'm gonna talk about verses four through 11 and then kind of at the end 28 because Paul's kind of admonishing the church. You know, guys, get it together. You've taken the speaking in tongues and made it the, the thing, a direct connection to God. But there are gifts that God gives you and all of us. Not the gifts that were given to the priest who held on to them and said, here with these other gods, we're the only ones who have gifts. We all have gifts in the church that we can utilize. And he reminds us that there's a diversity of gifts. And I'll talk about that, but you know, people have one or two, and that actually, these are only examples. There are all sorts of gifts that we bring as individuals to the church. So he talks about the gift of knowledge, of knowing, right? of kind of pulling together knowledge and, and understanding what's going on, being able to minister to people and support them. The gift of, gift of wisdom. My mother always told me that I was really smart, but I didn't necessarily have common sense. Bless her heart. <laughs> so, so once you have the knowledge, you have to be able to apply it, right? So that's wisdom, knowing what actions to take in certain situations based on your knowledge and understanding. Faith, a strong belief in God or in the doctrines of our religion based on our spiritual understanding rather than proof. Our faith and love takes us to the border. It takes us to Nicaragua. The gift of healing, praying for people who are sick, providing support, and, our, and you know, certainly the Stevens ministry here, and uh, welcome and outreach do this work, and we as individuals do this work. We're never alone. If we're down, if we're lonely, if we're depressed, if we've lost someone, if that's going on with us, there's someone in this community with a gift who will say, Diane needs something. I remember when my father died and I was just down and I was also sick. All of a sudden, Barbara popped up, Sandra popped up, Odette was there. Folks just showed up for me and sat with me until I was strong enough to get up and walk on my own. So the support, gift of healing. The work of mighty deeds. Now I will say for us, getting close to the completion of the capital campaign is the work of a mighty deed. Because three, four, five years ago when we were talking about, dang, we need to change things. This fellowship hall isn't working. There's some things that really need improvement. I just thought, you know, even though I was a, a lay leader uh, involved in the church, I thought this is going to be hard. But we did it with faith and together as a community because we believe in this church and we are the beloved community. So the beloved community. So we did that, a mighty deed. Teaching, which we do in so many ways all the time with our children, with our youth, after church on Sundays and Bible studies as we communicate with each other. 
and the gift of helping outreach opportunities, the trustees, the finance committee, folks who care for our building, our work with the homeless, our feeding the homeless, our, the children and the youth, their efforts to create kits for the homeless and for the elderly. The gift of administration and leadership, once again, our pastor, our trustees, finance and stewardship. You don't know, you know, we sit here on Sunday, but on Tuesdays, <laughs> on Tuesdays, I will tell you that there are people who are incredible, who are sitting and going, where are we now? Can we, can we afford to pay people? You know, what, what, do, what will we do in terms of supporting our children? Can we get new, um, new books or uh, hymnals to put in the, in the pews? That there's so much work that's done behind the scenes and people who are committed and engaged there in organization and leadership. So these, and then there's so many other gifts. This choir and singing, you know, people who come and who preach, people who just, you know, I, got, I re remember receiving cards from folks, you know, it's like, Diane, I noticed that, you know, you're having a difficult time right now, and I just wanted to tell you I was thinking of you. So there's so many gifts. We all have talents that should be manifested for the common, that can be manifested for the common good of the church and for the world. Now, I only have a couple. Two or three. You don't have to have all of them. You don't have to say, I, 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 I can't step forward, which I tried to do at the very beginning when I came to this church. I'm just saying. I called myself a lurker. I said, I, I will sit in the back. I will, I will take in this service. But that's about it. Well, you know. <laughs> 25, didn't work out that work out. 25 years later, here I am. Okay, we all have gifts. We all have talents given to us as individuals through the grace of God, and we can choose to use them. So I'm going to move on, and I'm going to talk to you about Ella Baker, who's an ex excellent example of someone who is so incredibly gifted. And she faced the challenges that women faced in the civil rights movement. The struggle to take women seriously raged on in civil rights organizations that wanted to be taken seriously as organizations that were pushing for racial equity and justice. So there were a couple of battles that went on there. And Ella was uh, not meek and mild. She was an organizer, a leader, a teacher. Uh, the um, SNCC, the student nonviolent uh, group, named her Fundi. That was her Swahili name. I also have a Swahili name, which is Kimia, if you care, a woman of virtue. Uh, but during that period, we were giving each other these names. Her name meant, meaning it meant a learned person, usually used for a master craftsperson, an expert, or a genius. Young people loved her, communities loved her. She was an incredible organizer. She's been called one of the co-founders of the civil rights movement. She had to address the challenges of the patriarchy and working in a male-centric, religious-based system. She said, you didn't see me on television. You didn't see news stories about me. That kind of role that I tried to play was to pick up pieces or put together pieces out of which I hoped organizations might spring. 
My theory is strong people don't need strong leaders. They need to be strengthened. So that was Ella. She was a brilliant community organizer who avoided the spotlight in favor of behind the scenes work. She built the infrastructure. She built alliances and she helped to propel the black freedom struggle forward. She was a national officer and key figure in the NAACP. She was one of the founders of the Southern Christian Leadership Conference and a prime mover in the creation of the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee. We don't hear about that a lot, but if you think about the primary movers and shakers, the organizational movers and shakers, she was an integral part of all of that. As, and, and then one of the things I want to say, when we think about uh, Martin, who actually was Michael, but chose the name Martin Luther, which is incredible. Um, he, he, he didn't spring out of nothing. You know, there, was, there were movements going on in the 30s, the 40s, and the 50s to move human rights, civil rights forward for African Americans. And she was one of those people, she was the NAACP field secretary, and listen to this. In the 40s, she would travel from town to town to small towns, and she would talk, and, she, and her job was to convince ordinary black citizens who had been enslaved and terrorized for 200 years to join them and peacefully insist that they deserve basic human rights. Can you think about the danger of doing that? From going to place to place as a woman, introducing yourself, and then working with folks to organize. She helped leaders craft and implement targeted campaigns against lynching, which was rampant, for job training, for people who were after slavery, were never incorporated into the work system effectively, and for uh, black teachers to get equal pay. She was adept at recognizing talent and she helped coach people like Odette. Odette was really good at that. She's like, come on, Diane, come on. I was like, I don't want to. She's like, no, really, you can do this. I was like, okay. <laughs> but, but coaching people, rank and file members into taking leadership roles. So she had these workshops and in one of the workshops was this woman that you might recognize. Her name was Rosa Parks. You know, so there was this work that was going on in the 40s and the 50s to lift people up, to start the movement. She was part of the Southern Christian Leadership Conference. After her work with NAACP, and she, she left because she really wasn't happy, once again, with the male-centric organization. And she really didn't like this guy whose name was Mr. White, who was like a black, a black guy, but was also who looked white. So it was really, really interesting. But he would go into the countryside and, and talk to members of the Ku Klux Klan who thought he was white to find out what they were doing. So he was really willing to take on a dangerous role, but she didn't like him uh, because she thought it was really a hierarchical organization and she didn't do well there. After the boycott, when King and other people were talking about starting an organization for similar boycotts and actions, she moved to Atlanta to set up an office and actually served as an interim, only interim, executive director for the Southern Christian Leadership Conference for a couple of years. King, Dr. King was chosen to be the organization's first president, but it was said that Baker framed many of the issues and set up the group agenda, the group's agenda, and she was responsible for arranging mass meetings. 
She referred to herself as the social architect of the organization. But she had a difficult time with the leadership style of African-American male leaders, including King. She stated, I won't say yes just because an idea comes from Dr. King. I am not an easy pushover. Another thing she said was, I had known, number one, that there would never be a role for me in the leadership capacity of this organization. Why? First, because I'm a woman. Also, I'm not a minister. And second, I am a person who feels that I have to maintain some degree of personal integrity and be my own barometer of what is important and what is not. Andrew Young described Baker as a determined woman and went on to say that the Baptist church had no tradition of women in independent leadership roles. And the result was dissatisfaction all around. So Ella was nimble in the 1960s when a group of college students refused to leave a Woolworth lunch counter in Greensboro, North Carolina. She wrote a letter uh, calling student leaderships from her organization, calling student leaders all over the South to join together. And they had this long week of study around civil rights and came up with the, and that was the development of the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee. She was responsible, along with King and other leaders for putting that together. This group helped organize the 1961 Freedom Rides. They directed many of the vote, black voter registration drives, and they drew national attention during the Mississippi Freedom Summer of 1964, when three of their members were killed by white supremacists. She said, I found a greater sense of importance by being a part of those who were growing. She agreed with King about the need to change the system, but she disagreed with him about how you would do that. They were both strong leaders. Systemic race sexism allowed for Ella Baker along with Dorothea Heights, Fannie Lou Hamer, Mahalia Jackson, and thousands and thousands of other women to serve behind the scene. Mahalia would go anywhere King asked her to go. Precious Lord was a song that she sang at the March on Washington. King asked her to sing it at his funeral if he died and she did. But once again, to come out and sing was one thing, to lead from the second tier was another thing, but there was only one woman who was really allowed on the stage in the March on Washington, and she did not have a speaking part. Okay, so, but we had women who were financing it, organizing, strategizing, staffing, stepping up, training, mentoring, risk-taking, getting people to show up, and working on burying dead companions. They led from behind. That is what was allowed. She believed, Ella, in a ground-up strategy where you strengthen people, where you did community organizing. King was in a role as a charismatic leader. What happens when you have a charismatic leader and they take him down? You know, so she saw that as being dangerous. She saw that not as not necessarily empowering individuals and organizations. Their ultimate goal was to say the same, to save a race of people from social and economic oppression. So back to Epworth. I've presented information about the radical King and the radical Ella Baker. 
soldiers in the fight against post-slavery oppression and terrorism. They brought many gifts to the fight for freedom. I'll remind you that in verse five of today's scripture, Paul reminds the church and he reminds us that there are a diversity of ministries and a diversity of gifts. That God works in all of us in a variety of ways. So at Epworth, if at Epworth and in the world, what role do you play or do you want to play? Where can you share your gifts? What calls you? There's so much to do and there's so many opportunities here and in the world. So what gifts have you been graced with that can serve the common good? Think about that. Reverend just and Reverend Theo Harris, co-chair of the poor, the new Poor People's Campaign, points out some of the, some of the problems in the world that we can trap that we can tackle today. Immigrants, Muslims, homeless people, and youth are under attack. The poor are facing severe cuts to basic social services. Millions of people are living without clean water and sanitation services. Voting rights are being suppressed, and the wars are being raged across the world and intensifying. These and many other crises mean that it is urgent that we build a new poor people's campaign today, that we engage and that we be involved. The struggle is real. There's work to be done within the church as well as locally, regionally, nationally, and internationally. Choose a spot. Pick a role. Identify an organization. Join the struggle. Ella and Martin and a host of others are watching. They fought hard and they battled all their lives. The battle continues. Blessings to all of you and amen. When I'm healing the sick, when I'm healing the sick, when I'm healing the sick, praise my Jesus, think of time to God. Kingdom keeps so busy working for the kingdom. Keeps so busy working for the kingdom. Think of time to die. Pause when I'm feeding the poor. When I'm feeding the poor. When I'm feeding the poor. Keep so busy serving my master. Keep so busy serving my master. Ain't got time to die.